Hi, welcome to the Av Church Podcast, where we talk about faith and real-life issues. We hope this challenges you to think a little bit deeper and encourages you on your journey through life. We're happy you joined us today. Now let's get talking. Uh, hey, welcome to the Still Loading Podcast. We got uh, Richard here. Hi, Say I'm hi, Richard. Richard. That's me. I'm Richard. Cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we got Jake. Yo. And Jared. I'm in that thing. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Are you? What a great intro. And my name is Dylan Del Campo. And today we're going to be talking about uh, something that needs to be talked about because there's so many people uh, just in, in our nation. There's so much division. There's so many things going on uh, about race and about that conversation. And I think uh, what better time to talk about it than now, right? We don't want to shy away from this. And uh, we think it's just something important to be talked about. Cool. Mm-hmm. Can I add something to that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> no, I just think it's cool because I feel like a lot of churches and a lot of the Christian community has actually like stepped into this. Yeah. I feel like not a lot of people have shied away like maybe normally would happen. Like I feel like it's yeah. being addressed and mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah. You know? Agreed. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. No, that's, <laughs> that's all. No, I think that's super important too. And so one of the first things we, I sent some notes and everything, and this is just going to be a free flowing conversation, but. Um, we just want to define the term racism and we want to define what that means, what that looks like and what it looks like in our culture today. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, Richard, we had a good conversation about this. Yeah, I was going to say, did you want me to... uh, Yeah, go into that. And then when you... Make sure you're speaking. Yeah, okay. My bad. There you Um, go. Yeah. You know, the the rapper (laughs) should know how to use a microphone. Um, Yeah, so I just so people who don't know me. Uh, I'm a middle school teacher. Um, I have a master's degree in English, though, so I, I'm a middle Not school teacher by choice. <laughs> you know. Uh, but I, every every uh, year, you know, uh, actually every semester, I make a point of talking to my students about racism uh, before we go deeper into the subject, because else my class won't make sense. Um, so the definitions I give them are these things. And I always ask, you know, what is racism? And they'll say, well, it's when it's when somebody calls you a, a name based on your race. If they call me the N-word, if they call me you know, um, a wetback or a beaner or something like that, that's racism. And also get some kids where it's like, uh, you know, when um, some police brutality, that's racism. And then I tell them like, no, like, okay, that's not racism. That might be prejudice. That might be a prod, the police brutality. That might be a product of a systematic, of ra- systematic racism. But racism by its definition is um, using a government or an entity or a people group using their power to put down a race or to elevate their own race. Mm-hmm. So again, racism uh, by that definition is using race to uh, take away or give power mm-hmm. to another race or again from a different race. So yeah. we have to have that definition mm-hmm. um, or else you know, that's how we conflate things of, oh, I'm not racist. Yeah, you're probably not. You don't have power. You mm-hmm. don't, you're not unless you're hiring people specifically mm-hmm. uh, for their race or firing people specifically for their race, mm-hmm. yeah, you're probably not a racist. You might mm-hmm. be prejudiced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have biases. Um, but, you know, by definition, no, you're not racist. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people just throw around that term, right? Yeah. Without really knowing what it's about. And what you said is so perfect because um, I think a lot of times we give the, the guy in the corner who has... Ob- like no platform basically 
and is saying these things that nobody's listening to really and it's like oh he's a racist and he's doing it's like that dude has no power over my life and over most people's lives <laughs> maybe in his household over his dog or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i don't know but he has a prejudice right he has a, a bias right towards certain uh peoples based on appearance you know and i think something that is important to know i know a lot of people will be like oh you know what people don't nowadays it doesn't matter about skin color like we're all colorblind and you know and that's that's a great sentiment you know i get i Mm -hmm. I guess (laughs) but like the bible says it's like man judges by outward appearance right man judges man by their appearance and so it's it's evident we've we've had these issues it's not like a new issue it's it's a thing in uh different cultures different countries it looks different in different countries right in than it does here you know but uh it's everywhere it's yeah i was gonna say it really stems from like the first of us where we were like we're tribal beings right we were all in tribes and it's mm-hmm. uh this tribe was identified by like this is what they looked like you know this is what mm-hmm. they looked like this is what they looked like and so uh yeah i mean it's not su- no surprise or and you're right it's a good idea the idea that we don't see color is great um but that's not true and i also don't think that's helpful you know yeah, I agree. I mean, the you we've heard a lot of sentiment um, throughout history because um, for such a long time, the fight for civil rights, you know, from up until this, even the 80s, uh, late 70s, 80s was, yeah, it, you don't have to, it, you can see me as a black person, you can see me as a Mexican-American person, you can see me as Asian or whatever, um, just treat me as you would a white person. And that's what, you know, America finally got to in the 90s. And then we realized um, as things keep happening and as issues keep going on, as, you know, disenfranchisement and oppression and things like that, it's not just good enough to treat me like a white person. It's no, see me for uh, all of my culture and celebrate my culture, but don't put me down for my culture being different. And that's the difference. We don't want colorblindness as a society. We can't have that. America is not it's not an, uh, homo- a racially homogenous country. Uh, we're not like most other countries, really. Um, mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge that we are a salad bowl, not a soup. We're not blending in together. I agree. We're literally. I see the lettuce. I see the onion. I don't eat salad. I don't know what's an onion. I don't uh, know what's maybe some croutons. Croutons. Yeah, parmesan. Right. We see all this, but we all <laughs> have croutons. <laughs> but we have to acknowledge that we are all still a part of this country together. Um, and we all make up the salad together, but we are separate. Um, and that's okay as long as we are in it together. Yeah. Right. It's like, uh, putting all those things together make for a great salad, you know? I don't like salad, but yeah. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's like, uh, white people being able to celebrate black people and black people being able to celebrate white people and Mexican people and Latino people and Asian people being able to celebrate. Like it's everybody coming together mm-hmm. and being Okay. Right. It's not right. don't treat me like a white person. I, I, I don't really, I never really thought of it and, like that. And in theory, that's what should happen. But and I was I, I had this conversation before with one of my buddies just about two weeks ago before all of this happened. Um, he was jokingly saying that, oh, countries such a lot, a lot of like a Norway, Denmark, very, very racially homogenous. Um, he said, like, oh, they're way better than the United States. I was like, no, no, no. Like the beauty in the United States is our differences. That's what's great. It's like everyone's the same over there. 
they if you were to go over there, they all treat you differently because you're from the United States and you're not six foot three with blonde hair and blue eyes. Like they're very they're all the same. It's like we're so different. That's what's great. The hard part is, at least in present day, I don't believe many people want to celebrate each other's differences. I feel at times it's very like I don't know, almost xenophobic. I feel like people are like, yeah, I love being for me, for example. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm very in touch with my Hispanic heritage or anything like that, which it's not a big deal. It doesn't offend me. It's not that important. I, I love who, my mixed heritage from my mom and dad. But some people are so into their Hispanic or Latin American heritage. That's all they're about. So like if, for example, if they were to go to like their white friend's house, they're like, oh, well, you know, white people are so weird. They do this and that. And I hate that. I think I hate when we go, oh, you know. You know, black people are so weird. Asian people are so weird. They all take their shoes off at the front door. It's like, why do we have to make that a big deal? Like, just recognize, hey, I love my culture, my heritage for what it is. But then other people, they do things differently. And that's cool, too. But I feel like at times we're so we like to separate ourselves. I think other people, we've, we've grown so accustomed to other people going, oh, well, you know, Mexican people do things this way that we're almost like, no, no, no. Well, I'm Mexican. I do it this way. We try to segregate ourselves at times. And I see that amongst people who are Hispanic and white and Asian and, and black in all cultures. And it's quite frankly, it's kind of sad. I hate, I hate people kind of going back to things like I do this because I'm Mexican. It's like, no, you do that because you're you. I do things because I'm Jared. I don't do things because I'm half white, half Mexican. Yeah. Know? No. Yeah. Makes sense. And this kind of, even like that sentiment, like, Oh, I do this because I'm Mexican or I'm Latino. <sighs> that bothers me. Um, going into that, that's a good, that, I mean, a lot of people could say that and like probably have good intentions behind it. But to me, as like, as a Christ follower, we were just talking to, about it right before. It's like, no, I, I do things because I follow Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's mm. like ultimately where my identity lies, you know, and mm. part of my culture and part of who I am and what we do, like culture is important. It's important not to negate it. But it, when you start finding your identity in what you are on this earth, man, there's so much more out there and God wants so much more for us than just to put ourselves in this box. He, there's an eternity with him and that look that we're looking forward to. Right. And we want to have a good life here, but there's so much more than just, uh, Dylan, the Latino, you know, who happened to be born in Corona, you know, (laughs) I think, I mean, I think that's a perfect way of putting it. Um, for a long time, I, I've, I struggled through this, but I finally arrived to the conclusion that, um, you know, being an African-American uh, person, you know, it, it, just to give, since we're talking about race anyway, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> give it the whole, my whole story, an African-American person from San Bernardino, California, whose mom's roots are from Louisiana. My dad was adopted by black people, but from all that we know from his records is that he's most, he was a, he's an, he was an Afro-Latino person, oh, uh, but uh. raised by black people and they just told him he was black his whole <laughs> life and it wasn't until he got older but so again, I, I, I even talk to my kids about this all the time. Like I still, even as an adult, struggle with my racial identity. Um, but as a Christian, the, the, I found liberation in understanding that um, I express my, my racial uh, culture, uh, my racial culture, my, you know, ethno culture, even down to like hip hop, sneaker culture, everything about me, I express that through Christianity mm-hmm. and I express that through Jesus and it's so much more liberating when I see that as I express, as I, let me not say interpret, but as I, I, as I express who Jesus is um, 
in trying to be more like him as an African African American uh, struggling with Mexican identity, str- having fun with hip hop, having fun with sneakers, and seeing all those things about me through Jesus, it's a lot more liberating and easy to see. You know, my friend who's Filipino, uh, and we he and he does the same thing. He expresses his Filipino heritage through Christianity, and we're able to have those conversations of, yo, I I come to this arrival in the Bible. Um, you know, but as a black person, this, this doesn't make me feel good or I disagree or I really agree with that. And he'll say the same thing. Yeah. You know, culturally this, this scripture in the Bible, I don't see that for such and such. But, um, again, as a Christian, like we can come together and struggle through that and parlay with that and realize how much culture really interprets, um, our Christianity. And and again, wholeheartedly getting back to the point, it gets us back to, well, Jesus is the goal. We just have to interpret it now and weave through it. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan and I, we had this conversation about, you know, there really is such a thing as American Christianity. There really is such a thing as Iranian Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, Japanese Christianity, mm-hmm. all these different cultures where we see Christians. Um, I was fortunate to go to Japan and seeing how they do church. It's way different than how <laughs> we do it. But and it's very, but it's very Japanese. But it's still mm-hmm. Christian, mm-hmm. Um, so we have to That's acknowledge cool. that. Yeah, we have to acknowledge that um, it is a part of it, but it has to be Jesus first as Christians. Jesus first, and then we interpret whatever our culture is. Again, it could be racially, it could be hip hop, it could be you know if you're into crochet, like it has to be <laughs> Jesus first. Yeah, That's cool. And I think what's so beautiful about everything you just said. I, how you said you express your your culture and all that in Christianity, that's who God is, man. It's like somebody who, hey, all are welcome to the table, you know, and exactly. all the nations, yeah, all, all, all are welcome. Of them. Mm-hmm. All of them are welcome to the table. There's nobody oh, yeah. who's going to be excluded or anything like that. Because you know what, we're all made in Christ's image, and so let's all come together. Let's, what let's did Paul say about that? Didn't he say like, essentially saying like talking about culture? He was saying like when I when I was talking to the Romans, I became a Roman. When I was talking to the Greeks, right. I became a Greek, right? Uh, and he was saying, like, ah, yes. I adapted to these things and I, to their culture and how they did things in order to reach them, ultimately because Jesus was first, mm-hmm. but they had a way of doing things, and so I joined in on it, right. you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't say, hey, no, you have to do it this way, so my right. way. Paul was appropriating people's cultures. <laughs> Which is, again, no, and, I mean, even, even the, ironic part, the ironic part about that, Paul called out, you know, Peter on his xenophobia, where mm-hmm. Peter was like, oh, well, you know, all these new Christians, they're, they're not circumcised. So I'm, I'm not going to acknowledge them until they're circumcised. And the right. Galatians. Right. And then Paul's like, nah, fam, like, <laughs> this is literally like, did you, you don't remember God telling you like people can eat pork? Like it's all that stuff is irrelevant. Like mm-hmm. it's about Jesus first. You walked with him. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It don't matter what shoes you wear or what. It's like none of that stuff. It's so irrelevant. And I think I'm not saying just shoes, but I'm saying the traditions and the way that America does church and Christianity, we think is the way to do it. And you have to do this A, B, and C in order to, you know, get mm-hmm. the outcome. And it's like, that's like completely counter what Jesus came to do. What he came to do was to get rid of the, you must do A, the B, laws. and C. And the laws. He fulfilled the law. And the tradition. Because mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. is not going to have any religion. He's not about that. He wants relationship. And a relationship with you is different than a relationship with me because I'm different than you. That's okay. Yes. You know? 
It's a beautiful thing, really, mm-hmm. when you think about right. it. Gosh, God, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's like that's so beautiful. Uh, and just about culture and everything, it brings me into this, like our worldview. This is something I strongly believe in. Our worldview, where we grew up, has such like an impact on how just we see our, or, yeah, where we grew up, how we grew up, it has such an impact on our worldview, on how we view things, you know? And even just our interpretation of the Bible, like as as you got to stop i'm getting <laughs> i could see you out of the you. corner of my eye uh sorry but it impacts how we interpret the bible you know just we think oh the writers of the bible were in america's culture today and that's how they see things you know and that's how they view things and it's like no 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 you got to look back on where they came from on their cultures and their things that they did that we don't the things that go without being said to them, to us, it's like we fill in the gaps with just our culture and what we think. And it's like, no, 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 that's not how this was written. It's all that to say that God celebrates all the cultures mm-hmm. and all cultures are welcome at the table, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's a real good thing. You know why that's a good thing? Tell Dare me. Dare I say that some other religions don't think that, you know? Mm-hmm. Some are like, Mm, no you yeah. better be like me or like this mm-hmm. if you're going to be following this god right mm-hmm. and the god of the bible says no you need to be who you are and just come to me as you are right mm-hmm. and you don't have to conform to anything or to earn my love or trust or whatever it is mm-hmm. it's given to you it's grace okay mm-hmm. now go live it and go love people right mm-hmm. it's only the god of the bible that does that mm-hmm. it's so good I like yeah that. and i think especially talking about those other religions it's a huge culture change for most which modern day Christianity, if you want to put that blanket, um, it doesn't have to be a huge culture change. You do things a little bit differently. Obviously, it's a lifestyle change. You decide to part from your simple ways and pick up your cross and die to your own desires. But it doesn't have to be this crazy sort of thing. Like you don't have to wear special hats and grow really long side locks and then have a box in your head and have these scriptures. Or, you know, you don't have to wear certain clothing and stuff like that. You can show up and a full suit or a t-shirt and flip-flops and still be at church Sunday morning and Jesus is going to love you the same regardless. Mm-hmm. All he cares about is your heart. That's mm-hmm. it. That's the most important thing. If your heart and him are good, what else do we have to worry about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's really attractive, I think, about Christianity is we have that. I was just going to segue, if we can, mm-hmm. because I feel like with all of that said, uh, that doesn't seem to be the reality for a lot of people you know what i mean yeah all of that is a great idea and we believe it's true but that's is that what's real you know well the thing that sucks about that is not only on this race issue but on multiple issues there's so much division just within like the christian culture you know and who we are here like one simple one is just uh like tattoos uh, alcohol, um, all these things where you got people on major different sides and then you have a people group looking in and we claim to suppose it's like, man, we're all together. We love everybody, one another, but it's like, oh, we don't believe in tattoos over here and they do and they're wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. So we're not always the best representatives to say the least. Well, then there comes, that's where denominations come in. Yeah. It's like, well, we all believe kind of the same thing, but you guys take this part, we don't take that part. You take this part, we don't. It's like, oh. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. <laughs> and it all denominations are like, some things are very doctrinal. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's like, if you find 
one, what's true? What does the Bible say? If you could find a denomination, especially maybe you're somebody right now, you're listening and you're thinking about joining church, one, at church, um, but two, <laughs> shameless fi- plug, shameless plug, peep the shirt. Um, <laughs> but you need to find, first off, what does the Bible say? When you look at this church's core mission values, do they believe that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of God communicated through man? That's the most important thing. And then kind of take it from there. If they decide they like to wash feet on Sunday mornings and you don't want to be a quote-unquote foot-washing Baptist, <laughs> don't do that. That's okay. You can not do that. But there's so many things that we like to bicker over, like tattoos and is it okay to drink a beer? But it's like, do you even know God? Do you even read your Bible? Mm-hmm. Like, do you does God know your heart? Mm-hmm. There's so many little things we like to get all jammed up about, but we... We close our eyes and we we forget about the most important things. Yeah, and and one thing that I see, to to bring it all back, that I just see a, a huge division over, and it doesn't make sense to me, but it's the Black Lives Matter like movement. Mm-hmm. I I there's so much division on all of it, um, because I personally believe like believe that Black Lives Matter pro- started as a great thing, you know, just as most other social justice issue things are great now people get involved yes and i'll say this straight off the bat because of just the climate that we're in um on all sides i don't care what you believe there are people on your team who are good and there are people on your team who are bad this is for everybody every team because guess what hey everything on this earth is run by human beings and human beings are uh, not perfect, <laughs> plain and simple. That's why we have a creator who is, you know? If you Absolutely. disagree with Dylan, you're the problem. <laughs> Can I say that? No, no, no I agree. If, if, And we'll talk about it even more, but the Black Lives Matter. So let me, this is what I don't like seeing. I, I was talking to Jake earlier. It's like, I'm a peacemaker uh, at heart. So I like to see people coming together. I like to see people... Um, just doing something together to better something, you know, and I hate when we can't come to agreements on things. And um, I think you, you've seen it a lot, too, I'm sure, if you're a Christian, just people talking and other Christians, pastors of influence. It's like, yes, all lives matter. Of course they do. Like everybody, everybody knows that, you know, and I heard Dex Alexander say this. And I thought it was beautiful, but he's like, Black Lives Matter started as like a, t- a thing where it was, hey, we just want to talk about us. We want to talk about this right now. You know, it's we're not saying that, oh, because we're saying this, this other, these other people don't matter. or This other people group doesn't matter. It's just like, hey, we want to talk about us right now. We want to fight for this specific issue. And I truly think that's what it is. And yet we have so much division. And this is the part that I don't like. Um, cause you'll see people, even people who I'm around are like, oh, when you say black lives matter, you're saying nobody else's matter. And I'm just like, all lives should matter. It's like, yes, they do. Like, what are you, what, what are you even talking about? You know? And here's the thing. Cause there's people who try to come with, oh, the logic of everything. And when people are hurting, sometimes, um, just trying to be straight up or anything with people that doesn't work. You know, when I'm in a hurting, when I've been in hurt situations, um, I didn't need somebody to tell me like, well, uh, you messed up because you did this, 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 and this. Uh, hope you get better. What? Like, if I heard that in that moment, I would be crushed even more, you know? And so what I'm saying is in any relationship, I want to, th- re- this is a point that I probably wanted to get across the most in this podcast. 
that when people are hurt over something or frustrated over something, I'm talking to the Christian conservative right now. I'm going to be honest. When people, when you are hurt or broken or a family member is hurt or broken about anything, let me bring it back. Actually, when you are hurt about something, how fun or awesome is it when somebody hurts you and when you try to bring it up to them, all they do is bring everything around back to what they want to say, bring everything back around to uh, how it's uh, just all about them. You know, they don't acknowledge your pain. They don't acknowledge your hurt. They don't acknowledge any of that. They just bring it back to, hey, it's all about me and what I want to say right now. In any relationship, living in that, having family members like that, friends like that, you get so sick and tired of that. You get so sick of like, you don't even let me share what I want to say, you know? And so I think when we as Christians try to shut that down, it's like, no, 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 no. We should be willing to have conversations uh, and meet somewhere in the middle rather than like, no, let me tell you what I got to say. Right. Yeah. I was just going to say that in premarital counseling, they t- we talked about this. It was like, there's going to be times where your partner is, you know, sad or upset or angry or whatever. And you, in your mind, you're going, wait, what? I don't get it. I don't understand that doesn't make those feelings that the other person's experiencing not valid. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you may not understand, but this is what's happening. So what are you going to do? Are mm-hmm. you going to keep trying to prove your point and tell them why they're wrong? Mm-hmm. Or cause either way they're hurting either way mm-hmm. they're in pain or they're, uh, you know, sad or upset. Now is not a time to push anything else other than, okay, well let's work through why you're sad, why you're upset. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what love is. It's like mm-hmm. putting right. myself down so I can help you. And yeah, you know, and I think, you know, I kind of think you hit the head on the nail, uh, bringing it up to, to, you know, comparing it to marriage and going back to our nation, um, and Christians really, um, we really are together married in as a family. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we are, we're, again, we're all in this together. So because of it, um, we have to hear everybody out. Mm-hmm. You're coming to me as a brother or sister in Christ. Yeah, I got to hear you out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if what you're saying offends me, uh, I, I owe it to you as a, as a sibling, as a family member to hear you and listen to you. And maybe I, even if we say I, we disagree, and even if I do say, like, yo, you've offended me, um, that does not change the fact that, you, that we're, we'll both see each other in eternity and glory. Mm. Um, it does not change the fact that you're going to go to your church or I'm going to go to my church or we're going to go to church together. Mm. Um, but it, it, at the end of the day, we both have to come to that understanding that we owe it to each other to listen. Um, mm-hmm. and again, and I don't know if you, you got black lives matter as a fifth point. You want to, should we talk about that now? Or you uh, no, Sorry. just keep, just keep <laughs> continuing. Just keep, but yeah, continuing. That was it. okay. No, oh. I, we're just like free flowing. Oh, right okay. now, so I just, we're bringing up good points about that yeah. and everything. So I, one thing that even you and I talked about is just Zacchaeus. Yes. In this whole instance and how in that time, so this, there's this tax collector and everybody, everybody hates the tax collector in those biblical times. You know, they're just taking oh, their shambles. money, taking all those right. things. <laughs> and what's amazing. I them. Oh, yeah, sorry. Exactly. And yet here comes Jesus, right? Right. Walking into town. The dude who everybody hates on and right. they don't agree with what he's doing. They don't agree with what he wants to get done. And still says, yeah, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house to eat. Yeah. Like that again, it's, it's a, that's an offensive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, you're, it, and I, I was thinking, I've been thinking about this, you know, all week in, in wake of the riots and protest and, um, you know, hearing quotes get thrown around. 
this is one of my favorite small interpretations of the Bible um, or just things that we have to acknowledge. The Jews were, who were following Jesus, a, there was a portion of them. I don't know how big or small it was, but they were expecting Jesus to be a revolutionary. Mm-hmm. He's going to liberate the Jews. Like politically, right? Po- a political yeah. Yeah. revolutionary. This is who they are expecting Jesus, right. the Christ, as. And so when you see, you know, this revolutionary that you got, that you've already seen do miracles, we already know this is the son of God, or we have an idea that this is the son of God. And then he says he's going to eat at a tax collector's house. Mm. What? Yeah. Yo, like, you know, I would be conspiracy theorist back then. Like, is he, is he getting paid off by the government? They would write him off. Yeah. They'd be like, what? How dare you do that? Which is, is so what happened. Eat in that guy's house? You're, you're not for me. Right. You're not for right. me. Which, again, is what happened. And, he, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we can, and we can that could be a whole different topic another day, but we could really go down and pinpoint, you know, how many instances it, it takes for the Jews to say, yeah, we're, give us Barabbas instead of Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I think that's definitely one of them. <laughs> oh. And so just this idea, because this is something I want us to get across too, is um, though you're, if you're not with me, you're against me. Uh, mentality, I think, doesn't solve anything. It doesn't at all. And there's there's some there's uh, Daryl Davis. I don't know if you guys know who Daryl Davis is, but so he is a black man. And uh, during time when the KKK was a more prevalent thing, he called him up, or he had his secretary call up an imperial wizard, right? Which is a national leader. They called them wizards. The yes. grand, yeah. Yeah. Then they have like, like grand dragons. The KKK. They called them yeah. wizards. Yeah. yeah, I mean they have hats. <laughs> you're a wizard. Can Harry. you imagine trying to be so like intimidating and yet you're called a wizard? You're called the Imperial Wizard. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. How many mage tokens does he have? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> he has his secretary because he's writing. Wizard. He's writing a book, and um, he gets there. He opens the door, and he's with his bodyguard, and immediately he's like shaken because he didn't. The secretary didn't tell the Imperial Wizard that Daryl. Uh, Davis was black and so he opens the door and he's like whoa what the heck's happening but he comes in shakes hands um, sits down for an interview you know that alone is amazing that is crazy and so he's talking and Daryl Davis says like we disagree on things we agree on some things and that alone is like crazy because you think like oh black man with the KKK what what in the world could they agree on he didn't go into it so I couldn't say exactly but over time, uh, this ice bucket that the secretary got kind of melts that had sodas in it, right? And it, and it drops. And because it's such a tense environment, they hear that and boom, immediately guards are up and they're about to like go to blows. And he's trying to think, um, do I jump over and get this uh, Imperial wizard? Do I try to wreck him? Uh, his bodyguard's here with a gun. Like, what do I do? And then they, they all like at the same time realized what had happened with the ice and the sodas. And they just started laughing. And the point that he makes with that is fear is from the unknown, you know? And Mm -hmm. when we let that unknown sit, um, it turns into hate, you know? And then when that hate sits, it turns into destruction. And so when we have people, I think we're really afraid of conversations of the unknown, of people who have different viewpoints than us because it's unknown. It's something that we, we haven't dived into. 
you know and over time something that happens in their relationship is they become best friends this it's insane and there's interviews with the the white dude i forget his exact name but i think it's robert robert something but he goes on interview he says he's like i respect this black man more than uh you white people over here you know and it came down to it's like hey this dude took the time to build a relationship to hear what i oh that's what he said he respects him more because he he sits down and listens to what i have to say and i sit down and listen to what he has to say and over time they just respect each other and i think breaking down the barriers of just like the unknown and disagreement is so important in just building the relationship and what happens at the end of that is that he denounces the kkk and he leaves it and that's uh, cool. yeah and he just uh turns his whole life around you know i think that's so important because i my my speculation is probably the reason why they became close is because you have this kkk guy who's afraid to um step in the unknown you have this black guy who's afraid to step in the unknown mm-hmm. and together they walked into the unknown into a vulnerable place together and were able to trust each other on something that they've never been able to do before mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah it's like i am mm-hmm. close with you i trust you now because mm-hmm. we both walked into unknown together uh-huh. and mm-hmm. came out okay mm-hmm. right you know we don't agree all the time probably 50 50 25 70, whatever. but we're okay but we respect each other yes you know and i think America, our nation specifically, has lost that so much. Uh, it's honestly. you against me, man. Yeah, and yeah, right and left, <sighs> black and white. Coke it's or Pepsi. anywhere we Coke can or Pepsi, dude. Coke it's, or Pepsi, it's Dr. everywhere. Uh, <laughs> vanilla Coke, but DP. Yeah, I mean, it's whatever we can find a divide on, we will. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a hobby now. I well, I mean, this is we could go into this another day, but <laughs> just get it, just di- get it. Division dude. brings money. <laughs> <laughs> Where it did it does. What uh, reigns overall? All exactly. my dollar. I mean, this is this really is the society we've built for ourselves. Mm. Um, so you know, when we when we look at, well, why can't we all just agree? We were talking about Korea earlier and how you know Korea is okay with having everybody on this app where they can track it. The government can track you just to make sure for the sake of COVID and make sure that you're not infecting anybody and everybody can agree on doing this one thing. We can't do that here in America because there would be a competing app. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's fine. That's the way our society is built. But we have to acknowledge that because our society has literally padded us for division, again, Coke or Pepsi, like we're, mm-hmm. we're instead of us really looking at, hey, we, we all drink soda. It's, uh, <laughs> it's no, my, my soda tastes better for with a hot dog. No, my soda tastes better with a hamburger. <laughs> and we have to make everything a competition. It's not even a competition, though. It's like, if you said yes to that app, I don't like you because you said yes to that app. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's that really is the thing. We, I think you you, you were touching on it. You said the word uh, the word vulnerability. Um, when we talking about the the black guy and um, the KKK member. Um, we don't allow ourselves to get to a place of vulnerability of saying, okay, well, why why did you vote for that policy? Instead of and we make everything a moral a moral battleground when you you know as much as we w- want to say we're a Christian nation we can't as a nation we can't do that anymore we can't say and advocate everything based on a moral high ground because like we said earlier we we can't even disagree on, we can't even agree as Christians whether or not tattoos are okay right so who are we to to tell this nation yeah we're we're the we're fighting for the soul of America but again. Am I allowed to go to your? Am I allowed to worship in your church in Texas because of the way my hair is? 
Um, I allow, is Dylan allowed to to preach in your in your pulpit in Louisiana because of his tattoos? Um, this is same country. <laughs> and you know what's funny? Dang, dude. It's that it's just go, even going back to the whole like Coke or Pepsi. It's like I don't like you because you use that app or you drink this drink. It's like we take those minute things and we, it becomes part of our identity. And that's why we get so offended by it. Right. Because we, it, and it's we who take we are. that on too. Yes. And that, yeah, Absolutely. You're, you're, you're right. And that goes kind of up back to what we were saying earlier. Like, you know, I, again, I love sneakers. I, I'm a sneakerhead, like to the death. Um, but there was definitely a point in my life where, where like, whenever Adidas, like, one's up Nike, I'm like, oh, so yeah, mad. Heck yeah. No, I'm, I love it. <laughs> I love, I love, I was, I was there when, I was there when Kanye announced um, that he was doing a deal with Adidas and I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> but then, you know, we made that so, so much a part of our identity that like I was not buying Nikes for, I refused to buy Nikes for almost like 10 years. <laughs> and then maybe like a month ago, like I looked in my shoes again, I'm, I'm a sneakerhead. I have a lot of shoes and I was like, wow, I have a lot of Nikes. Like, and I have no Yeezys. Like, when did this happen? How did this happen? <laughs> and it, but again, we make that so much a part of <laughs> Yeah, we make it so much a part of our identity, like where I almost was like taken aback. And I'm like, wow, like this is I'm not who I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Jared really wants everyone to know that he has a pair of Yeezys. Ooh. No, but I, you I weren't going to say it, but I wanted I'll just say it. I'll just say it for you. I do have some and mm-hmm. I love them. But I need to get another to pair. your point. Yes. <laughs> if, there's even like a it's like Apple versus Android. I will never buy Apple. Apple is of God, though. No, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus used an iPhone. (laughs) I think we're saying all this to prove the point that we will find a way to divide on everything. Yes, but it's and yet still scream that we have the truth. But the thing Mm, is, it's so hard. It's like okay, let's 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 bring it back. Let's get real. We're we're making that divide because some things do matter so much. So the reason why people are protesting so angry or even like we're talking about BLM. It all started there because it's like, Hey, I am a black man. My identity, who I am is an African, African American male in the United States is important to me. So I'm going to, that's my identity. So if you do something that offends my identity, I'm going to get pissed off. Well, let's take it on the other side. And this is something that this is something that I wanted to talk about because it's something this whole thing, this whole week has been a very big struggle for me. So um, I if you could see this video, I'm not black, as you could see. However, the stuff that <laughs> I know. Surprise. Sorry, Richard. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the part that maybe people who are. He has Yeezys. <laughs> what, what maybe people don't know or if you don't know me personally is that I, I'm a cop. So the part where I've been struggling is. I see all this stuff and I'm up in um, Northern California with my girlfriend and her family at the time. This happens up, up in Richmond and this stuff happens and all I could do is just sit on my phone in their guest room and my mind is racing a million miles a minute. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel. I get, I'm a little sick. I'm uncomfortable. I, I don't know how to feel because I see this and the first thing I think is this is going to be terrible. And I remember being, I, I went to, I went to college. I got my degree in uh, criminal justice. So I studied some of the stuff, a lot of, so when people are throwing around buzzwords, like, you know, systemic racism, this, this, and that, I took a lot of stuff. Even when you had mentioned gangs earlier, or I took a class on gangs, minorities and crime, all this stuff that I had learned and then also experienced on the job. I'm like, this is so much, this is so much from all this different stuff going on. So I had the hardest time struggling because one, I saw the video, it was terrible. 
I knew, and I, I, I forced myself to watch the whole thing. And I was like, okay, this is not good. This is wrong. This person was wrong. And that's okay. Because contrary to popular belief, people who are cops are also humans. They're normal people and they're also flawed, just like Christians. If you're a Christian, you're watching this, you're flawed. I'm sorry. I know your mom tells you you're great, <laughs> but you're flawed. Um, so that's when I saw that. And I was like, okay, this is going to start up a whole thing that there people are going to start to say, oh, you know, all cops are bad again or you know, whatever acronym you choose to use. The difference was when all this stuff started back in 2013, 2014, I was just a student. Now I'm wearing the same color as all these other people. And I'm like, crap, people are going to think that's me. Mm. And I was like scared. Mm. And I was not scared because I was afraid for my life. I, I truly, and I don't think I'm tough, but I believe Jesus got my hand. Uh, I'm in his hands, but I'm like, controlling. How, can, how do you, you're, can you, if I could just put the words in your mouth? Yes, go ahead. Can, how you're afraid because your identity uh, is now being um, the, defined by an outside force. Exactly. By, yeah, yeah. And it's it's tough because. I've always told people there are people in my profession where they're a cop. That's who they are. That's it. There's nothing else to them. Me, I always tell people it's part of who I am. I love my job. I have fun. I help people. That's why I got into it. But I'm also Jared. I also like watching anime and I like Yeezys. Um, I, I like to work out. There, there's so many other things. I like to do church with my friends and talk about Jesus. There's so many more aspects of who I am other than what I do four or five days a week. So when I saw this, it made me sad. It made me sad for people who are going to think that um, everybody doing what I do is racist. Everybody, you know, cops kill black people, etc. It made me sad because I love people so much that I immediately, for some, for one of the first times in my life, was so empathetic. I felt the whole weight of the United States on my shoulders, and I just started crying. Like, it was the toughest thing for me. Four days later, I've kind of brought everything back but this was tough yeah this was tough especially like i didn't grow up in i grew up in a private school but then i also grew up in a multicultural church where every i had white hispanic black and asian people so it was tough this whole thing was really hard and yeah. i th i think um just what we we're talking about about finding risking being offended and risking uh, offending others uh, and just finding that relationship and respect for each other, even when you do have an indifference in beliefs, right? Uh, I think it's so important because, because I have a friendship with Jared, right? Because I know who Jared is. When I hear people say like, oh, all cops suck, all cops are terrible, I can immediately point back to Jared and be like, no, no, they don't. That's not an emotional thought either. That's like, no, I know who this guy is. Uh, so you're wrong. <laughs> Clearly incorrect. You're wrong. Inaccurate. You know, and so when it, it's dangerous to make absolute statements like that because nobody wants those absolutes pointed back to them in anything. It's in yeah. the same. I was going to say in the same vein of like the riots. Mm -hmm. It's like that doesn't speak for all the you know black people and people that are trying to actually make a difference. And, you know, that doesn't speak for everybody. There's a lot of peaceful people out there. Mm. So it's it'd be stupid to say that Black Lives Matter is destroying cities. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. You have some, you know, I almost said a bad word. You have some crappy <laughs> individuals who are destroying cities uh -huh. and they should be judged individually. And yeah. that cop should be judged individually. And those or all that were involved in that should right. be judged individually. Absolutely. You know what I mean? 
and it's just it's not fair to put you into all cops are bad into mm-hmm. you into all black people are violent and are criminals criminals you know what i mean it's yeah, so it's, silly right but ag- and again uh, this this goes back to what we were just saying earlier um that's where we as a society we as christians need to step up mm-hmm. uh because we we are really we really are a diverse family we are mm-hmm. we are the salad bowl that this nation needs um, <laughs> i love that that's so good but <laughs> we're the salad bar bro <laughs> And and we have allowed for far too long, um, you know, the nation to to define the pockets that represent us, uh, to define our, you know, peop- myself, I'm black, uh, to define to we've allowed society to say, well, you know, this is what uh, this is what a black male looks like, you know, a black male hair like this, wearing necklaces like this, uh, dressed like whatever, um, this is what he must be, and instead of us stepping up and saying no this is no and and even to show that this is not what this is i think to your point earlier like this is why it's important that churches are stepping up and and speaking out when you know atrocity happens Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be murder it could be um it could be when why do we not have enough uh ipads or computers even at the the school the inner city school that has no money Mm -hmm. the church should be filling that in Mm-hmm. Um, mm. you know these these Mexican these Mexican American businesses. Well, if we as a society, it doesn't matter how we feel about immigration or whatever. They're here now. They <laughs> have a business now. Why don't we as a church support them if they lost if they're because of COVID and they they've lost business? Why don't mm-hmm. we support them? They're paying the taxes. Let's support them. Mm-hmm. That's us. That's our job as a church. Okay, if our cops feel these these this pressure. Uh, why are we why are we not paying for their therapy and counseling or having them come to counseling here with us versus, you know, going to outside public sources? No, it's because churches are for Sundays. Oh, <laughs> what? Wait, that's it. Sorry. My bad. My bad. I'm sorry. I, I thought. Yeah, I, I thought. My bad. I messed up. Isn't that crazy that and all of us you say that and all of us go, yeah, obviously. Yeah, we should be. Mm-hmm. But we don't. Right. Mm-hmm. And but it's it's so true. That is the role of a church has been taken from a staple in your community to right. a good worship. I don't want to say entertainment, but to good worship. It's extracurricular. It's just like it's like the cherry on top. Like it's, that's what you do to the end of your week, you know? It, exactly. And, and, my week. and by mm-hmm. saying I go to yeah, a dude. church, um, my friend and I, he's at he he was a actually he's still a preacher. Um, but we had this conversation where you know, in America, the church was the backbone. This was the moral compass. This right. is where everybody came to agree on politics. This is where everybody came to agree on, you know, what was going on in the community and how this neighborhood is and how that neighborhood is. Um, and, you know, in, in pockets of San Bernardino, there's still churches that are like that. A politician will come to, you know, one of three, one of three black churches and say, hey, I'm running for this. These are the policies. Um, but as a nation, we've gotten away from that who's who to say um that was the better decision but i think we can see how much america has lost the faith in us um as a you know pivotal i don't know what's another word but as a point in society we've lost that as a staple as a staple yeah um i want to ask a very controversial question go for it Mm. don't hate me guys okay i want to know I, I don't like, and I want you to explain to me, because I'm being genuine, by the way. That's fine. Um, when they say, oh, this is a black church. Yes. This is a... Yes. You know what I mean? I wholeheartedly... Now, this is... 
I will explain. I think I had to give background. Um, Just so you know, there's no yes. wrong answers with me. No, there's. I've, there's <laughs> I, I'm genuinely asking. I don't. You. I don't give wrong answers. No, hey, <laughs> Gaddy. Uh, just to explain myself, I sense. am. A, I'm also a musician. I'm a church musician. I've literally been playing since I was in the seventh grade. Um, I grew up playing in a black church, um, my home church, and then in college, um, I was working for like three churches, actually four churches, and then New Beginnings picked me up. Uh, nice. Yep. And recruited him? Yeah, recruited <laughs> me. Um, literally like an NBA draft. And then, <laughs> and then my first career out of college, I was the very first African-American person on a pastoral staff in a church in Central Valley in its 150-year history. Dang. I remember that. It, no, it's it cracking. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, it sucks. Now, all that to say this, I u- and with that church and spiritual journey that I've been on, I used to hate um, saying like, wow, like how at my black church, how come we, we do songs that are different? Like we have, we're doing Kirk Franklin and Ty Tribbett. And, but then when I go to, you know, this church, they're doing Hillsong and, and passion. Like I want to do those songs in my black church. And when I did those songs, they're like, no, I don't do that. Um, and then like, <laughs> I was like, well, can I do some gospel songs here? It's like, nah, it's not gonna, not gonna work. So, um, f- for a little bit, for a while, I was like, wow, like, Christians are really divided. Like this is the problem with America. This is the problem with race and blah, blah, blah. And then, then it hit me, just like what I said earlier. Uh, I believe it's necessary that we, I don't want to say separate, but there should be the black church. There should be the Asian church or a Korean church. There should be, you know, a, a, a multicultural church because, but we should all be able to go to each other's churches. Mm-hmm. because I, and I was explaining this to a friend. He was like, well, how come black people don't talk about police brutality any other time? Or how come they don't talk about fixing their communities? And I was like, we do. We talk about it every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like it's always, in, it was always in my pastor's message when I was growing up. But I was like, oh, you're, you're Korean American from Glendale. You've never, mm. you're never going to see that. Right. Uh, you've, you're not, you haven't been exposed to the opportunity to go to a church like that or to go to an, another church period. Um, and again, same thing with the, we, I live by a Chinese church, um, in Loma Linda, it's a seven, Chinese seven day Adventist church. Ooh. And, but they, that invitation is there. Like, Hey, if you want to learn Chinese or learn what's going on, like come. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't gone yet. Cause it's on a Saturday. Uh, and I don't want to go on a church on a Saturday, but <laughs> it could be real. And then you can <laughs> sleep honest. in on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> then I, no, I still got to go to church on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I think these pockets are necessary because, um, like, like I said earlier, um, we express our culture and identity through Christ. And in order for us to be on the same page and, and say and interpret like, yo, as a black person, this, this is where I struggle with this, this idea in the Bible, or as a Mexican person, this is where I struggle with this idea. Well, let's go to this church together and where we have our culture and our religion at the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I, I like that. I think it's really good. I, cause the, my first church I grew up in was, um, was a bilingual church. So they did some services in English and some Spanish and me growing up, I don't speak Spanish, but I just remember sitting there, but I love the music. They got down. They played great music. So I was like, oh, this is so dope. Like, and I think that's what's kind of great. So you're saying we should have the black church. We should have the Korean churches. What is great is like, so I didn't grow up in a black church. I had friends that grew up in black church. But one thing is like my dad to this day, he's a 50 year old Hispanic dude, loves gospel music. Mm-hmm. So I grew up listening to Kirk Franklin. Yeah. And like one of my dad's favorite preachers, T.D. Jake. So I remember yeah. when people would like. 
I'd be like, oh man, TD Jakes. And I was like seven years old and people are listening to like Backstreet Boys. And I'm like, Y'all ever listen to Kirk Franklin? You like that song Stomp? It's so sick. And they're like, what is this guy? But it's so cool. So that is one place where I'm like, it's tough. Certain people don't feel like they belong in those churches and other people churches. But that's where we celebrate the differences. That's right. where it's so cool because it's like, yeah, I don't go to a black church. But if my friend invites me to a black church, I'll go. And I'm like, this is great. I love how they choose to do church, and it's cool. On the same note, one of my very good friends, Manny, shout out to Manny, he was worried about coming to New Beginnings because he grew up uh, Catholic, and his he loves music, and the music he loves is like black metal, mm-hmm. and it's very like That's what we it's do. it's kind of yeah. it's kind of dark, and he's got a bunch of tattoos, and he's like, people are gonna judge me if I come here. They always judge me when I go to Catholic church. Came New Beginnings, looked around, saw everybody was very 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 different i was like okay i could do church here i think this jesus that you guys have so much love that's the jesus i like i don't like this one that judges i'm gonna make a dumb illustration but it makes a lot of sense to me <laughs> i like that preface <sighs> yeah, I like yeah, that yeah. preface a lot it's kind of like uh you know if you're about to go to like a restaurant with your family right but not everybody fits in one car yes right yeah. <laughs> well if that was the case it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna go with my sister because i like the music she listens to you know, uh, this we we talk in there and it's cool, but we're all going to end up in the same place. Like we're all going to the same place, whether I'm in this car or that car. Right. You know and, what I mean? And exactly. And I think that's where it comes down to the city. And your city has to say, yeah, we're still a family. We're all going to the same restaurant. So yes. let's make sure we're talking to each other constantly. Um, it, I don't know if this is still around, but when I was growing up in San Bernardino, um, all the churches would meet. Uh, they would have like a, you know, a monthly meeting of, you know, the the, the Jewish churches, the, again, Jewish synagogues, um, Catholic churches, the, the black Baptist churches, uh, the white Baptist churches, like all of them met like once a month. And even as that was going on, uh, once a week, the African-American churches were having meetings. And it wasn't because, it, and that was solely to focus on, hey, there's, these are things that's going on in the African-American community, African-American community. Uh, that we got to work on as the pastors, as the leaders of this, the flock of the city. So again, uh, this is, I think I'm transitioning to something else. This is where I have a problem with Christians saying we have to separate church and state and Christians saying, uh, you know, we, it's not our responsibility to, to have, I don't want to say political influence, but to have charge of what's going on in our area. Um, other than, yeah, we should clean up the streets. We should clean up trash and pick up stuff and we should have a block party to you know and we should we should have halloween at our church i think it's bigger than that we sh- your the church should be talking about this is what our people that live in the city are hurting our people in the city need financial help they need education they need all these things but then we keep going to the state well is there's like a great i forget what the exact stat is but i think it's like if every like christian family like every 3 or 4 christian families or something adopted uh, a kid like there would be no more foster care Dude, kids in the system. It's if one family out of every three churches in America adopted one child, there'd wow. be no more foster system. For real, for real. Yeah. Hmm. That's insane. And that kind of stuff goes along with what you're saying. We need to run into like the hurt and the pain and be the ones to set such a great example, you know? Isn't it silly that we just depend on what we all know as a faulty government, right? We can all agree government is faulty. Yes. All of the... Whatever side you think you're on, 
it's all faulty. There's faults in all of it, and you need to recognize that. But it's silly that we still depend on that when we have resources and we have influence as a church and can make a difference instead of sitting and waiting for someone else to do it for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where I stand on a lot of things. It's like, I don't know why we keep waiting for someone to come fix my problems mm-hmm. or someone to come do this for me. It's like, no, I mean, we all have so much more influence and power than we think we do. Um, and Jesus is obviously in control of all of this. And mm-hmm. to think he's not on the throne is also foolish. Mm-hmm. And he is. And it's like, so it would be silly to not stand for the things he stands for. Um, and, and, wait for someone else to do it for you, you know? I'll do Mm -hmm. it once they do it. Once they make it a law, then I'll do it. Because it's easier to wait for someone else's talent and back someone else's vision than it is to take responsibility. You're less vulnerable, right? You're exactly, you're less vulnerable. And this is, and this is something I'm even saying to myself. My brother chewed, my brother um, chewed me out two days ago. Cause I was, again, I'm, I'm very um, vocal in my city. I'm, um, you know, I'm part of the NAACP um, in my city and I'm a, I'm a teacher in my city and, um, but I, you know, the protest, um, I was like, yeah, they need to be doing it. Like this is there. They need to, they need to figure it out. And again, even down to church, well, the churches need to be figuring it out. And then my brother in, in so few words said, yeah, you're here though. If you're seeing that you can't criticize, you can't talk about anybody else if you're not doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. And Again, like, even though that was convicting for me, I thought about like how many other people as well, um, even just in, in my friend group, where it's like, yo, like, yeah, we can't talk about. And I mean, hey, you, you two, <laughs> we can't talk about Norco problems if what's Ab doing? Uh huh. And you guys have done a lot. Uh-huh. From what but I there's seen. always more. There's always there's more. Always more. Um, yeah. It yeah. just goes back to in our backyards and reaching people ultimately. You know what I think about sometimes. Like pillows, no. Oh, mm-hmm. dude. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> my thought. So easily just I, ready to go because well, I had track, one about dude. a pillow. <laughs> like that was relevant to right now, but <laughs> but uh, no. I was thinking about like I obviously am not obviously, but I'm against abortion. I think all of us are. If not, that's you know for a different time. But I think it's interesting how many people want to fight for abortion and fight to the death for abortion. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And then don't want to like adopt or foster kids, you know? And it's like, oh, the solution is no, they could put them up for adoption. Well, not me. Like, I'm not going to do it, but somebody Uh will do it. (laughs) And it's like, don't talk about something you're not going to be about. Uh You know what I mean? And I learned that, I think, from my parents who, Mm -hmm. you know, they've adopted three kids and it's like, They've talked about it, and they're, they are about it. Uh-huh. And that's the only way to actually get something done is to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think in the same thing with all of this, it's like the only way to do this, to find this, you know, I don't even know what the word is, like inclusion or um, I don't know the exact word, but I think it is the responsibility of the church and the church being a people, not a corporation. It's a people, a you know. A place, a building we go to once a week. Yeah, right. it's, it's a responsibility of the church to, uh, I think, begin this. Yeah, and even to bring it back a little bit to, um, so Philando Castile yes. was a black man who was killed by a police officer. In Minneapolis, right? As uh, well. Was it Minneapolis? I believe so. Uh, I don't remember the exact city. Can you pull that up? Mm-hmm. But uh, Richard's pulling it up right now. But what's so amazing about that, and I think what you guys said, like we can make a difference right now. I believe his dad... Um, basically marched towards 
the local police uh, station. And ever since then, he's helped implement new strategies and things for uh, training and whatnot. And he's been a part of that. You know, he could have took that pain and just, I don't know, broke, did whatever with it, you know. But he decided, no, I, I can do something. I can make a difference. And he went down there and he decided, like, I'm going to sit down for one, like we talked about. I'm going to have the conversation with police officers. Uh, and two, like, let's move forward together. How can I help make a difference? Right. You know? And I think in these situations like this, um, like you said, we have to go down to our um, courthouses, police state, whatever. And if we're really, really um, invested into something, figure out how we can make a difference. You know what I mean? One thing just in general is, and I saw this and this, do whatever you want with this, but is to vote, you know, figure out who your judges are, who your local mayor is, um, who is on the, the board of supervisors in your county and voting for like who's overseeing your district and making those votes and figuring all that out. Because if you're not doing any of that, right. I, it, it used to it, just to um, go back Philando Castile, he was uh, shot and killed in St. Anthony, which is outside, which is near St. Paul. So same, same state as um, uh, George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, back to your point, like, yeah, this is, I, I don't know when, I don't know when it happened. But I feel like us as a society, we stopped normalizing going to the town hall meetings mm. of like whatever your city was. And I remember like even as a kid, like my dad would drag me to like every town hall meeting. Like I was eight years old. Actually, I'm, I'm sure you he, loved it. Huh? I hated it. I remember, <laughs> thank God, like I remember he would just like, this is before like iPads. He would, he had like a Palm Pilot and he had, Ooh, uh, I know, right? And he put um, like the fat, he put triple X on there. <laughs> so I watched the entirety of Triple X one time during mm-hmm. a town hall meeting. Mm-hmm. But I knew who everybody, I knew who all my city officials were. And this is at mm-hmm. like 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I knew who like my, the policymakers, I knew the mayor mm-hmm. um, at 12 years old. And we, we've gotten away from that as a society where we don't know our officials. Uh, we don't know and they don't know us. Mm-hmm. Um and that's, we can't get progress. We can't move forward if we're not there. Mm-hmm. One thing that I heard was, uh, um, it was for the governor of California, just in, in previous election years, uh, I was posed the question, it's like, oh, you think he cares about what millennials think? Like, do you think he cares? And I'm like, yeah, probably. And he's like, no, he doesn't, because you guys don't vote. <laughs> so why would he want to do anything to make a difference for mm-hmm. what you believe in, you know? And because... We do. We've said it even in this podcast. Uh, like, yeah, the system is broken. There's things that need to be fixed, obviously. But if there is a voice, it definitely is voting, and it definitely does make a difference, especially in like local government, you know, and especially in what's happening in your community. Because I hate to say this, and actually, I don't hate to say this. I'm happy about saying this. Um, if you think the transition of power from one white man to another white man is going to make the world a difference for everything and everything is going to change after that. Like, Oh yeah, you really don't know what's going on here Mm. because there's so many systems underneath just what the president does that you, you think he's making every decision for everything. No, no, that's, it's like when he said, Oh, you guys are free to start opening. It's like, okay, some did, some didn't. Yeah. Like there's a lot of power that's local and you know, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. State. It's on the state. Yeah, level. yeah, state. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, but yeah, I I 100% agree. And for all the people listening, saying that, because especially our age group, I would say there's a lot, of, even more conspiracy theories and conspiracy theories. But it's like you want to know you, some. We got YouTube. So. Yeah, we have we have YouTube University. I could tell you some. <laughs> but here's here's one thing, if you expect change and you're not voting you're part of the problem you're you it, it's not only a civic duty it's a privilege like i think about that it's a privilege to vote not everyone can vote not everyone around the world has that opportunity so, so if you want to be a cynic and sit in your bed and cry and complain saying well it's not going to change anything anyways you're right because you're not going to do anything to make a difference so yeah i 100 percent agree imagine I, if the five hundred thousand people that tweeted that same tweet actually voted it's it's too hard, dude. They have you know to put what I their mean? No, it's down. like there's some there's such a difference that could be made. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It, take, it it takes time, and I think uh, and again, this is this is don't just think this is me like telling everybody else, like I'm so perfect. I'm not like I know it takes time, and I um again I've been I'm a lifetime member of NWCP. Mm-hmm. They give me some scholarship money, you know, when I was a kid. Um, How are you? Nice. You know, the the. I my I went to an NAACP meeting, NAACP meeting on Zoom uh, two weeks ago. Um, I missed the last one because I was at church rehearsal, and that's okay. <laughs> the, before, but before then, the last time I went to NAACP meeting was before my son was born. That was 2016. Mm-hmm. And um, again, this is a I know all those people, and I work and interact with all those people. I've even done events in on behalf of NAACP in my area, but I wasn't at the meetings. Um, I you know, gone to one town hall meeting since I moved back to Southern California in my city. And again, it, and I, what I realized and what I didn't like, like doing, it just takes time. But that time has to get put in because people don't know you care until you put time in. Mm-hmm. Again, right. you can't, That's good. you have to put in time just like with voting. You, and you have to know who you're getting, who you're voting for locally. Mm-hmm. And they're there. They're walking around. They're mm-hmm. talking be at those places make them make your voice known literally mm-hmm. you can make your voice known we have so much power as millennials and we can amplify amplify our voices the way other gen- other generations couldn't mm-hmm. yeah and that uh kind of brings up so there there's this thought uh about uh racism where a lot of people think or say it is as worse as it's ever been or it's getting worse and I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I want to hear what you guys have to say because I think I'll um, go last. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think you should go first. And I want to know, like, in your life, where do you see it? So in my life, where do I see racism? So I'll say that first. I'll say in my life where I see racism. I see racism. I, again, I work and teach in San Bernardino, California. Um, I am proud to say that I'm, I'm no longer... For my students, where it used to be in the city, uh, by the time they got to middle school, they might have had no black teachers at all. Um, Or they would have to get to high school to have like a black male teacher. Uh, But I'm proud to say that I get to be an example for, you know, my black and Latino students and even my my small white kids that I have. Like I got like four. Um, This is a record year for me. where Right, you know, (laughs) where they see they see this black guy every day with, you know, crazy hair but dressed in a suit like the nicest suit they've ever seen um talking about hip-hop i'm just letting you know 
Like I'm proud. I'm proud. Um, you know, <laughs> you, got, you got style. I'm I not do. Gonna lie. I do. Whatever. Um, you know, and but talk and talking about race and talking about you know the the East LA blowouts that affected Mexican Americans and talking about what's it like to be a Chinese person in America. Like I get to do that. The flip is um, again how it affects me personally. I didn't have when I was that a worship pastor in Central California being the first African-American pastor, I felt that. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I wasn't even like, I was the worship pastor. That was just the title. But I felt that every day. And I felt that the most when um, it was 2015 and and the North Carolina, North Carolina took down the Confederate flag from the Capitol. And I, and I made a public Facebook post, like, and I compared the Confederate flag to the, to, to the Nazi flag, which I still will make that comparison to this day. And I got so much flack and so much heat from that, even from one of my own like worship leaders who like paid for planning center and was like, how dare you? Like, I'm like, you're, we're both from, we both have roots in Louisiana. How dare you see that? And it's like, cause we both have roots in Louisiana. How do you, <laughs> how, do you how do you not make that, that juncture? Right. Um, but going back to Dylan's question, is racism the worst it's ever been in this in history? I'm gonna say no. I think racism is again, racism being the the acknowledgement that a race is using power to put down another race or races or to elevate a race. I think we are amplifying how much is still happening. And I was telling somebody this um the other day, like the riots, I'm I'm not going to say I'm okay with because I'm not okay with anything of disorganization. I'm not okay with disorganization, but I do celebrate and I find comfort. I, I try to find comfort in knowing that as people are making these Dr. King quotes and saying, Dr. King never, uh, you know, rioted and did that. And it's like, well, yeah, cause they would have gotten killed. Like <laughs> <laughs> this is way different. You know, they, they had to protest peacefully and they still, they still got beat up. They still got dogs sent on them. They literally, like, one of the biggest events in of that movement was Bloody Sunday when it was a Sunday morning, and they did a march, and they suck, sick, sicked, sick, sick, released, 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 <laughs> released, <laughs> released, yeah, released dogs on them. Like, again, if Martin Luther King rioted, it would have been a murder. We were talking about Tulsa and how, you know, uh, the, the Oklahoma literally bombed their own city and had sent in you know, waves of just pillaging that city of African-Americans or that area of African-Americans. So like, um, it's hard for me to say that racism is the worst it's been. I think again, it's just definitely more amplified, but it's amazing and beautiful to me that we can now really, people can really voice their outrage in a way that the consequent, let me not say there aren't consequences, but the consequences are now even being in checked. Mm-hmm. And even, um, talking about, I mean, you could talk more about this. I had no idea what a rubber bullet looked like until Twitter started, you know, posting it this week. And I was like, yo, uh, what can we, is there, <laughs> what? That's, that's wild. I don't know if that, if I want, I don't know if I want my tax dollars to pay for rubber bullets. I'll be honest. <laughs> Those right. things are crazy. Um, but yeah, that's all I got to say. Yeah. Cause I think one thing that I, think of is when people say it's getting worse it's the worst it's ever been um in my opinion i think people are kind of just throwing shade or almost spitting on, spitting on the graves of people like mlk uh who really fought for stuff like that in a time where it was extremely hostile 
you know? And then also to go along with that, a lot of people are quoting um, MLK with the hate can't drive out hate, light or darkness cannot drive out darkness, you know, and, and peaceful and all that. But uh, Martin Luther King also said that riots are the sound of a voice that like goes unheard. So people, you know, they're mis misusing quotes and whatnot. But anyways, I just say all context. that. Yeah, I just, I, well, they, they take just that one quote and it's like, that's everything that MLK stood for right. in a nutshell right there. It's like, he stood for a lot of different things. But anyways, yeah. So when people say that in my head, I think like, man, you're just doing a dis, like a disgrace almost to like those people who were around back then who, and who fought for a lot of the rights that people get now, you know? Yeah. And that's wrong. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like when I hear people say it's the worst it's ever been because I honestly do think everything is um, like way better and still getting better, you know, as a, as a human people, uh, here's one thing we need to understand. We're never going to get a hundred percent. Right. And never. ever, ever. And I heard a pastor say this too. And, um, he, he said like racism will always be a thing, you know, any, any kind of tool of the enemy, any kind of vehicle used for any division or anything will always be a thing because look, as Christians, we know that there is a, a real devil and a real God, you know, and anything the devil can do to drive a wedge and to cause division and chaos, he is going to do, you know, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't always strive for peace and strive for bringing people together and move forward, you know? Yeah, I do know. And I think what I'm going to tell you what bothers me about all of this. I'm going to be very honest. Go for it. Um, what bothers me is, is uh, one, the media, who, in my opinion, are inaccurately reporting a lot of things. And what really bothers me is the media benefiting from this. Mm-hmm. I think that, to me, is so dark. And it's like almost like let's use some anger and oppression to our benefit and for our gain. And that really bothers me. And again, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know what to do about that. I mean, what can one do about it? But it just seems so dark and so evil. And so I bring that up to s- because you brought up how the enemy will do whatever he can to divide and to, mm-hmm. you know, and to think that, like, again, I said on the last episode of like, that is such a calculated, this is such a calculated thing by the enemy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so deep and big that it, it couldn't come from man. And that's what I see happening right now is like all of this divide does not seem natural into what any of us are used to in our generation. You know, it's dark. It's darker than usual, in my opinion, on all fronts, not just the, the sorry. Why did I say sorry? I don't know. Canadian. <laughs> for those watching, for those listening, Jared like just hit himself with his mic. So and anyways, I apologized. Yeah. I just hit it with my. No, my, I was just saying watch. that I, I get really upset that the media is trying to benefit off of it. You know. Yeah. I. Were you gonna say something? Uh, if you want to go into a point, because yeah, yeah, no, just to like go into that for people who think that no, the media is like telling us the truth. The media is like for us or anything. Think about this. I have not seen one thing about coronavirus, which was supposedly oh, yeah, the disease gone. to end the human race. It's getting real. At least that's what it seemed like the TV was saying. But it's I haven't seen one thing about it now. I saw someone say this, and it was very like a uh, uh, satirical. And there was, it was like it showed a picture of the pro of the protest in Boston, 
and it was like, this is a church meeting in Boston. And he's like, oh, just kidding. It's a protest. But if you want to have church, just call it a protest. And don't, you don't have to wear a mask. And I was like, <laughs> that's dark. That is, I was like, yeah. But if it was church were to do that, I mean, that's very, that's punishable now, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's just all that to say. It's like, dude, there's so much inconsistency in all of it that if you're still following the media for what it is and taking it for what it is, I hate to tell you this. I love you, but you were being fooled. Right. But I love you. And if you want consistency, I'm <laughs> sorry. If you want consistency, uh, this is where we will always bring it back to the Bible and bring it back to Jesus to oh, where when your media yeah. starts switching up, when that governor or that politician gets an office that you thought you would not be able to live with, guess what? The Bible stays the same. God stays the same. And Preach. that's where we need to be as mm-hmm. a people, you know? Yeah, that's right. I would Jeez. say go, go back to the question that Dylan posed. Um, yeah, prejudice and discrimination still is here. It's still here. Do I think systemic racism is the worst that's ever been? No. I think we don't have Jim Crow laws. I think there's so many freedoms that people of color now have, um, speaking as a person of color, but I don't think it's as bad as it's ever been. Do I think, like I said, is there still prejudice? Yeah. Whether or not you believe it or not, whoever's watching or is ever listening, you have a prejudice against certain people. A lot of this is subconscious or unconsciously. It's there. Um, and it's kind of built in and even culturally, even certain cultures are kind of like that. Even certain words used towards other people of other cultures. It's, it's ingrained into part of our society at times. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think so. And I think I'll put it this way. I'm speaking of a place of a, you know, middle-class Hispanic white male, um, living in Southern California. I don't see everything everywhere else. I don't see when, when they say, Oh, you know what? you, you know, law enforcement officers aren't trained with cultural sensitivity. I, I've been through so many trainings. I, I can assure you as far as Southern California, we are trained so much more than podunk towns in like the middle of America. Sorry if you're listening in middle America, but <laughs> we go through so much training. We go six months and then we have to do like quarterly trainings every single time. And it's different topics, whether it be normal stuff we have to do, uh, uh, you know, whether it's having to do something as far as physical, like defensive tactics, whether it's shooting, whether it's sensitivity training on um, minorities or even people with um, mental health issues. We do, we have so much training on that because it's something we encounter every single day. So when I see people say, you know what, you guys aren't, you know, you don't know what it's supposed to be like. It's like we go through all sorts of stuff every day. I've gone through all this stuff and I can assure you at one at not at one point was I ever told to treat somebody of a different color, a different race any differently. A lot of this stuff I think people don't realize. I think it stems all from personal prejudice. If there is something that happens and it's individual against another individual, if there is a if racism there, I was gonna argue that it's from discrimination from that one individual to another. That they have preconceived notions and prejudice against that other person that leads to discrimination on the, their behavior. So do I think it's systemic? I, I don't. I don't. I, I think it's a different point of view that I have. Um, like I said, I, I'm going to say I, I really believe that it's going to it's not all cops are bad or even the, you know, where he was in Minnesota. I don't think the whole department is racist. I think maybe that guy, if he did, I don't know. I haven't seen anything news. I haven't seen anything coming from that. But I don't know. Maybe he did have some individual prejudice that maybe had fueled that what I'm going to blame it on. 
not really blame it on what I'm going to articulate after I watch the video Monday morning quarterback it. Um, it's bad training and it's also stupid decision making. Are there times where police officers have to use force? Yes. Um, are there times where we are trained to put a knee on somebody's upper back? Yes. For over 10 minutes on somebody's neck? No. I don't work for that department. I don't know their policies. Um, I don't know if that's a department approved maneuver or I don't move. think it is. I think it's already come out with cops. Are like, yeah. yeah. You're, that's charged. not how we're being trained. Yeah. Well, I would say, it, like I said, if it's from that department, because every department has different policies as far as what can be used as far as force. But just from a, a, a normal, rational person standpoint, 10 yeah. minutes on somebody else's neck, that is not rational. There, when I first saw that, I was like, there are so many things can be done different because at least from my department, every single day we watch videos of other departments, other things they do and say, okay, this is what they did right. This is what they did wrong. How could we do things better? And I think that's what it comes down to. But without getting too far off topic, no, um, it's not as bad as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Beep. Is We're that? hearing beeps. I don't know what that's I don't know what for. It is either. I think they're done recording. Well, we'll continue anyways. If if anything uh, has to happen, then we'll, it'll just be a podcast. So, because we're having good conversation right now, I don't want to worry about all, any of all that. But I think it's something deeper though. With um, what's his name, Derek Chauvin, dude. You look into that guy's eyes and you saw like evil. Like honestly, it's, and I when I saw that video and you see that guy just sitting there and it's totally fine. Is man, there's something evil going on here, and it kind of just opens it up to going back to what I believe. And I think we all believe, but there's a real devil and there's a real God. Mm -hmm. And this was an act of evil. This was an act of like anybody who um, has, I'm not going to say that anybody with the brain (laughs) would see that what he did was terrible. Absolutely awful. You know, there's no, um, denying that and so I, I just hope that we can see that just in everything we talked about too there's there's a spiritual side to all of these things right you know right. because ultimately we're gonna have what 60 70 80 years on here you know and of course we're gonna try to on this earth we're gonna try to make everything the best we can but there's an eternity for us afterwards you know and I would love to say that it's like I put my faith in the one who created eternity and not in um whatever government or whatever things happening uh, here. Right. And again, but again, which isn't to say that um, we're flipping about it either. We not to say or, or dismissing what things happen. No, that's where we as Christians have to commit to prayer. Yes. And commit to praying for individuals again in our mm-hmm. city, individual mm-hmm. officers, individual um, departments and, you know, city officials and neighborhoods. Um, mm-hmm. Right. That's again. That's where the the church has to be commit, uh, commit back to their community. Mm-hmm. I think one thing, or there's two verses right here. Uh, it's Matthew five forty four through forty five. It says, "But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you." Imagine if we all had a mindset like that, right? And then there's um, Matthew five. Uh, it continues on to Matthew five forty six. It says, "If you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that?" Right. Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. Mm. If you are kind only to your friends, how how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. And then when we have Christians have saying absolute statements about any 
uh, group of people, whether it be an officer or, or black uh, people or white people or Mexican people. And we have, say, we write everything they do off for because of the act of a few. Um, God's saying, like, if you love those only who love you, like, anybody could do that. You know? easy. Anybody yeah. could do that. And I, and I see it big on um, I, a lot of friends that I have are Christian conservatives. And I would say I'm more on the conservative side. I'm, I'll say that. And uh, I see, though, that this side of thinking, I guess, or this conservative side more often doesn't want to hear what other people have to say because it's like, well, here's the facts and here's the logic and here's all of this. And like it just says, Jesus says it best, like, hey, love those uh, who don't love you and love those who, who you don't agree with. Like, even the pagans love people who they, uh, who love them back, you know, mm. who they agree with all the time. And it's mm. like, there's such a divide here, you know. There, I wish there was just some peace. There's some common ground that we well, can get to. Well, I think change in this regard can only come from humility. And I think when you try to uh, force change with power, it ends up being um, opposed much stronger than if you were to try to um, bring change with humility, you know. And mm-hmm. I think that we're afraid that our humility will look weak or will look like I'm letting quote unquote my side down. It's like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. The only way we're going to actually see change is, uh, like you, like we were talking about referencing is through humble conversations with somebody. Mm -hmm. It's through being okay. And by the way, it's okay to be wrong. I mean, (laughs) those of you that are these science heads that think that science rules the world. Guess what? Scientists thrive off of failure. That's how they find truth. And so, Mm -hmm. um, if you, are okay with being wrong, which you should be. Eventually you'll find your way to the Bible and find <laughs> truth. But but yeah, that's how you're gonna find truth and find common ground is and knowing it's okay to be wrong. Yeah, maybe if you posted all of these Facebook posts and all these tweets or whatever, it's okay if you change your mind, those are wrong. That that's okay. Mm. Right. You know, I think don't hold yourself down by what you've tweeted you know, years ago. <laughs> yeah. I would still be in a whole lot of trouble for some stuff yeah. that was on my Twitter yeah. six years ago. <laughs> well, I think what's amazing and we could end on this cause I could feel it wrapping up, but just that Daryl uh, Davis story that I talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, had he lived or believed how many people believe today where it's like you have differing views in me. So we can never see eye to eye. We can't be friend. We can't be anything. You're against me. Um, he wouldn't have built a relationship with that KKK member and brought him out of that. And then I think he's at about 200 people now. And Mm. yeah, who've brought out of like that movement. And so if we walked around like, you know what, you see different than me, I'm not even going to try. It's like, you lose. Yeah. You lose. You're not going to make any difference then. Mm -hmm. And this guy, Daryl, is just like, no, no, no. I want to have those conversations. I want to make a difference. Because he realized that he could. Even though it was his own oppressor. Yes. Mm. That's another thing to think about. That's that's something worth thinking about. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. That's great. Wow. It's like he acted like Christ or something. Mm. That's what Christ did, right? Mm. He changed the world in it's humility. Weird. He didn't change the world with power. He changed it in humility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Just so wanna, good. Dude. Just want to end with that. You don't have to be a black guy to, to do that. You can be any, any race you want to. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the thing I can choose? Well, no, you can't. No, you said anyone I, I want to. We're no, predestined. Yeah, you're kind of no, locked okay. in. Sorry. 
All right, any, fair enough. Any it's closing gonna... statements from anybody? I love you guys. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, that's the same. Uh-huh. I think there was a good conversation. Hopefully, the people listening um, got something from this. Hopefully, you learned something. Hopefully, you were challenged. Maybe there's some things you agreed with. Maybe there's some things you didn't agree with. Either way, we're still here for you. And uh, just message us Sorry. on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it may be. And Slide we'd love, yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or uh, I, that like? uh, Apple Podcasts. That's what it's called. But hey, Jake, what's what? Up? No, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say, Jake, thanks for being here. Jared, thank you for being here. Richard, thank you for being here. I hey, appreciate. Sure. Thanks for uh, inviting me. I was, yeah, you know, happy to be here. I appreciate all your guys' wisdom. Can we talk about Richard's EP coming out soon? Oh, oh. Yeah, I, have e- I have an EP coming out. Speaking of, uh, you know, where can they find that when it drops? It will yep. be on Spotify, Apple Music, title, all wherever you stream, even Dang. YouTube Music. Nice. What? Under the that? name of Richard Blackshear. Mm, yeah. Come on. There it can is. Can we put that in the show notes? Yeah, yeah we'll put it in the, the show e- notes. The EP is called Apocalypse Now. Which, oh. Again, ironically, it's it's political and uh, it's also about love and stuff like that. But uh, you know, we've we've been working on it for over a year, and it's ironic or fitting how how much the song the songs we talk about um, go with today. So if mm-hmm. you're looking for something that's a little uplift, uplifting and helps you get through it, come listen to check it out. The music. There it is. Mm. But uh, thanks for being here. This has been still loading. Love y'all. <laughs>